One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Imagine. Are you coming in, Bear? Oh, have you got the dog with you? Yeah, Bearsy. Are you on? Where are you? Are you in? Are you in bed? I'm in the marital bedroom. Are you, are you in bed? I'm on the bed, on the not bed. in the bed. And Bearsy. Oh, hello, yeah. Mister. Hello, Bear. Bear says hello. Is he going to cuddle up with his dad for the pod? Probably. Yeah. That's nice. Cuddle up. Come oh, on. Then. Come on. Come up on. Go on. Get him up. Here you come. Lie down. Don't touch the laptop. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a point. Don't let him lick anything. You need opposable thumbs for the laptop, (laughs) Bear, which you haven't got. Bless him. Sorry. Right, so uh, I'm ready. You're on in bed with the dog and we can can start. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Should we do it, Bear? (laughs) Molly Green and Tara Brudge. Sometimes that's God's way of getting into enjoy gardeners' world. A happy garden. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it already. <laughs> it the is. dog's attacking me. <laughs> Dear. Oh, God. <laughs> Help. He's attacking me. <laughs> More jeopardy as we start the happy garden. There's always something wrong. <laughs> Every week there's something going on in the... Are you all right? I'm all right, yeah. He wants to play. That's all right. You haven't got any lunch around your face. It's not like no. on, on you, is it? Okay. No. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. All right. Well, let me welcome you to the Happy Garden podcast. Oh, God, it's all going on. Welcome to the February garden. The garden full of promise. The garden full of possibilities. The garden full of buds. And the birds have started to sing. And the sunny days make you want to tidy, to nest. The kitchen windowsill can be full of potted primroses and beautiful muscari and daffodils as well, which make your soul smile. It's a joyful month. And to spread joy to today's proceedings, I haven't heard... I haven't heard anything his end for about 20 seconds, so I'm hoping it's still there. The joyful Darren Rudge. Hello! <laughs> still here, he didn't go for my throat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Welcome, Dazzler. Hello. God. 
I've had a right week. Well, do you, I, well, we ought to address the elephant in the room, yeah. Before we do anything, I have had so many messages oh. about last week's podcast and what on earth the medical emergency was, which meant that Darren couldn't finish it. Are you OK? I'm all right. I was pregnant. <laughs> Darren! Huge twit. And I didn't know. <laughs> Laugh, Darren. That's good. <laughs> oh no, the dog's died. <laughs> the dog's going crazy downstairs. Oh, are you? How do we find you today as we're recording the podcast? I'm all right. I'm okay? sore. <laughs> which which bit sore? Come on, let's explain. My left eye. Yeah, it was my left eye, folks. Came off. <laughs> came came away, didn't it? I had a, yes, definitely, yeah. He popped out. Oh, <laughs> I had what was called a vitreous detachment. Ow. <laughs> There's this spongy stuff that's at the back of your eye. Um, and the problem is it can uh, tear your retina. So that's the that's the big problem. The vitreous detachment is not the issue. But, um, yeah, I had a bit of a frightening day on Tuesday. <laughs> it sounds like it. And you were in the hospital for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Three o'clock in the morning we got out of the hospital. Wow. So, uh, and then I had to get to the eye infirmary the following day, um, just to have a, a deep exploration done. Yeah. <laughs> what did they find? Uh, a brain, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> you got everything you needed to have, yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, actually I found everything was intact. Okay. So everything was good, but there had been a vitreous detachment. And How um, are you feeling now? I'm all right. It's it's sore and uh, light is still painful. But um, they also found a really nasty infection in that yeah. eye. And I had COVID over Christmas, didn't I? I think it could be linked to uh, sort of COVID. Oh, because your the, immune the system was yeah. down. I think I might have been low. Well, some of our best work was at the end of last week's podcast. I think, you know, we were creative, we were amusing. It was it was a genius ending to the pod, but no one heard it because, A, my computer didn't record it, and then, oh. uh, B, yeah, you were you were stuck in the hospital. So, yes. oh, do you mind? Did you hear the end of last week's podcast? I had to get my friend June to finish yes. it. <laughs> I had to drive to June's. Fantastic. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. No, not all okay. that. Fantastic. Uh, June's a good standing. Now we've got a standing. <laughs> June's got, ace. We've got an apprentice, haven't we? Blooming June, yeah. <laughs> right, well, no cartwheels for you then today during the No, uh, they've told me uh, no limited screen time. Stop the hand. And, are you, um, you going to do the pod with your eyes shut? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm doing all of this from memory. I have, well, that's because you're genius. I do have, actually, I bought last summer a job lot of um, blind stuff. There was a blind... <laughs> There was a blind Thank shop you. closing down. Yeah. Um, what's it called? The RNLI. Oh, no, that's yeah. Lifeboats. The <laughs> RNIB. There was yeah. one of those shops was closing down. I don't know. I ended up at Boot Cell, but I bought it all. So I've got all sorts of aids that I can send <laughs> to you. I've got the blackout glasses. Yeah. Alarm clocks. Oh, yeah. Watches. Yeah. Yeah. Key rings. Yeah. Meat thermometers. Meep the moment. I've got all sorts of like blind stuff. Okay. No, I actually have. So I'll well, FaceTime you. No, no, but just to help your eyes. But I'll FaceTime you later with anything that you fancy. Anyway, should we get on to uh, what's happening today? Yes. Okay. But <laughs> the most exciting thing for you, Darren, hang on a second. I'm Professor Alice Roberts, and you're listening to the Happy Garden Podcast. Hey. <sighs> 
Oh. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Made it all worthwhile. Yeah, but you're glad you turned up today, aren't you? <laughs> Professor Alice Roberts is going to be talking about garden archaeology a little bit later on on the Happy Garden podcast. And she has a question for you as well, Darren. Oh, no. a question for me? Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, so we'll be doing that a little bit later on. Andy Lound as well, amazed and astound with Andy Lound, has the history of archaeology that's been found in back gardens. So that's a really interesting one. Um, what are you doing today, Adas? I've got jobs for the week ahead, Ace. as always. got six jokes, which I've memorised. Okay. That'll jokes. go well then, yep. Yeah. And mm. a fabulous money-saving tip. Nature gives us some wonderful things if we realise they are there. Yeah. And this is a nature tip. Okay, I look forward to that. So it's a money-saving tip from nature. That sounds nice. Actually, I see your money-saving tip and I'll raise you one as well. Oh, God. It's not often oh. Molly's money-saving tips yeah. comes in, but, yeah, I've got one later as well, which right. is really good. And lovely listener Rupert wants to tell us all about his massive true garlic variety as well, so we'll hear from him a bit later on. Oh, Rudge Rap, are you pleading adjournment on medical grounds this week? I am, or, yeah, because thought, I haven't been able to read or listen or write anything this week. Yeah, no, I, I will let you off in that you have one I work in. <laughs> we'll do the rudge wrap. Well, you've always known I've had a wonky eye, and it was the wonky eye that went wonkier. wonkier. Well, I was, I was telling my mum about your eye, and she did actually say, Which eye is it? Because if it was your good eye, it would have been awful. It would have been worse, let's say. It would have been worse, yeah. Mm. No, it was my wonky eye. Okay. Because I've always had a wonky eye. Exactly. You know, when I, when I, when I talk to you, you think I'm talking over your shoulder. <laughs> Need to get you a patch. <laughs> That's my wonky eye. That's your wonky eye. <laughs> you you always look past and think, who's he talking yeah. to? <laughs> love you. I do actually love you very much. <laughs> so with with your good eye, we'll, yeah. we'll make a fister today. Let me give you a little February quote, actually, from Mark Parent. This is really nice. If January is the month of change, February is the month of lasting change. January is for dreamers, February is for doers. And that relates to the garden, doesn't it? Let me ask you, ask you, actually, before we start with some jobs for the week, Darren, talk to me about the garden in February. I know some gardeners will call this the, the busiest month of the gardening calendar, won't they? Well, it's the time when everything starts to kick, kick off. <laughs> Basically, it's when, you know, we, we wait, don't we, as gardeners to see, uh, and we, we hope that this replenishment, and this goes back to paganism, really, uh, and all those things where we wait to see that life uh, returns uh, to our spaces, our lives. And February is that, is that time when we start to see things actually start to grow. You know, snowdrops, mm. they're there, aren't they? All these sorts of things start to uh, kick into action, as I call it. And, yes, it's time to get out in the garden and actually do some stuff and just prepare for the spring. So March, really, is when temperatures start to lift, although, having said that, what is it? It's 11, 12 degrees Yeah, today, double figures, so. yeah. It's quite mild. We haven't had a winter, really, this year, folks. And seasons all merge. This is a problem with climate change. February is that sort of, that hinge month. I always think of it as, a you know, that little hinge, the door opens. Yes, nice. And towards the end of February, you know, we really start to look forward to the spring that we've actually got to come because yeah. things just start to bud up 
uh, things start to push out new leaves and we've just got that expectation of that wonderful virginal spring to come. And that's yeah. what February means to me. It's lovely. I was having a look at the hydrangea cuttings, which you talked me through cutting last year, and the buds are so fat and there's little curled, fat, green, verdant leaves waiting to come out. It fills me with excitement, It really, which I must ask you a little bit later on when to plant those. Hang on, let me write that down. OK. Hydrangea yeah. cuttings. Right, shall we start with some jobs for the week ahead, Ad Aaron? We can do. Now we're in the happy garden. Oh, I say, sweetie, this is my favourite bit. Time for Darren to be absolutely flabulous and regale us with his gardening jobs for the week ahead. Well, yes. Three, two, one, and go! Well, bush, roses and repeat flowering climbers should be pruned in the next two weeks, folks. You naughty people if you haven't done it already. <laughs> OK. Um, deciduous tree planting and shrub planting can still continue if it's not too wet. Um, so get them into the ground. And if you've got root-balled evergreens, you can pop those in now. It's a good time to divide things. So all those lovely herbaceous perennials, they can be divided at this particular point in time. Don't forget to disregard the centre section and basically plant the outer sections. Any fallen twigs you can gather during uh, gales and hedges that have grown too tall or too wild can be renovated at this particular point in time to give them a good hard cut back. But not cypresses, not your conifers, as these do not re-sprout, so don't cut hard back into them. All flower stems can be tidied away or they can be left on the soil as a mulch ready for those beasties and bugs to make a happy home. Thank you very much, Darren. That's absolutely ace. And we'll do some more before we go home. Oh, no, we are at home. But we'll do some more <laughs> before the end of the pod. All right. Now, listen, I feel like I'm really encroaching on your, on your territory here. Why? Because it's Darren's money-saving tips. It's nothing to do with me. Mm. But I do have one. Okay, and well, I got that's right. a really good one that I came across in the week, and I wrote it down. And I thought I'll encroach on Darren's territory here with a Molly's money-saving tip. Now, apparently, have you been to the Eden Project? Yeah. Oh, I'm jealous. Is it brilliant? Lovely. It's brilliant. Yeah, especially the hot tropical. They've got a, a, um, a cabin halfway through the hot tropical section because mm. it's so warm and so hot and tropical. Yeah. You have to go into the cabin and cool down. Really? There's, there's water and stuff in there, yeah. Oh, that it's sounds great. good. Yeah, great. I like the sound of that. It's great. Well, my husband and I were booked to go on the, the 26th of March, 2020, lockdown day. So, yeah, I couldn't go. Well, you predicted the uh, pandemic. Did I remind me? Did I? You did. did I? I'm so yeah. old, I can't remember. What did I say? Because yeah. we, were, we were at a certain radio station. Mm-hmm. Do you know who we were? <laughs> Wait. Molly and Darren. Do you know who we were? <laughs> and uh, and you went, you said to me at that on that day, yeah. I think it was like, like a week before that date. Yeah. You went, this is going to be a national pandemic. Did I? And, you know, it's this, no this, flood, this is going to change the world. Did I? That's what you said. <laughs> Darren, my memory. So I blame you? Yeah, it'll, it'll all be my fault. <laughs> anyway, we didn't get to go to the Eden Project and still haven't, but must do. But listen, if you want to go, if you go onto the Eden Project website right now, or if you Google Eden Project National Lottery, and you get two tickets for free, basically, if you've got a national lottery ticket, 
Seems too good to be true, but you can book online in advance now. Pick a date that you want to go to the Eden Project, get it booked. It's normally £33 each to get into the Eden Project. But as long as you've got a lottery ticket, which is, is it about 150 Darren, I haven't bought one for ages. Yeah. 150 a ticket. Yeah. Then between the wow. dates of the 9th and 17th of March, yeah, you get in free as long as you show them your lottery wow. ticket. I know, isn't that a crazy deal? Buy me a lottery ticket well, tonight, yeah. I think. So for three quid, <laughs> you're getting £66 of tickets free. So it's not bad at all. So I'd share that uh, share that tip. The Happy Garden Podcast. Darren, we must welcome new listeners to the Happy Garden Podcast, of which we've had many this week. Where from? This is only a few. I could honestly, the list's really big, but uh, new this week: Philippines, wow, Thailand, Bangkok, wow. And a fair few in Hungary as well. Really? I don't know how they get to hear about us. It perplexes me. (laughs) But uh, we must welcome everybody. And also, um, if you don't mind us playing, if you don't mind when you listen to our podcast, if you could rate and review on your podcast platform, it would really help what Darren and I do to reach more people as well. So rate and review if you possibly could. That would be absolutely great. Right, we're going to be hearing from the wonderful Darren's secret crush, Professor Alice Roberts, <laughs> very shortly about garden archaeology. But firstly, though, let's get our Andy Lound on with some specifics. Here is the history of garden finds. It's amazing and astound with Andy Lound. That's me. Hello, Molly and Darren. Can you guess what I'm up to? No, I'm not altering the time on my mobile. I'm detectorising. Yes, I have my metal detector out and doing some garden archaeology. Have you ever wondered what's hidden in your undergrowth? Hey! Garden archaeology has really taken off, partly due to the lockdown when people spent more time in their gardens. Lockdown sparked a spate of archaeological finds, from Neolithic arrowheads to post-medieval belt hooks, all in back gardens. Metal detecting was prohibited during lockdown, so people turned to their own plots, finding an array of objects under their lawns and flower beds. What have people found? Clay pipes are common. These may have been lost or dropped by workmen. Pottery of all kinds. These can indicate what activities have been taking place and when. In Surrey, one garden produced Neolithic arrowheads. Imagine, over 4,000 years ago, some people dropped their arrowheads in a field that would later become a garden. Imagine their lives. In Suburban Garden, near Bradford, a Bronze Age querm was dug up. This was used to grind grain, a sure sign of an encampment. A medieval silver coin was discovered in a garden in Stoke-on-Trent and a sandstone rock with Ogham script thought to date from the 4th century was found in Coventry. One lucky gardener found a post-medieval snake-formed belt hook in Herefordshire. In 2012, a gold lover's ring was discovered in a chicken run in Shropshire after the hens had been scratching for worms and a late medieval iconographic ring was found on the top of a molehill on a garden lawn in Herefordshire. Of course, these are ancient finds. There are modern finds too. Second World War arms caches of live grenades and ammunition have been discovered by metal detecting. One house found a whole 1940s car buried in the garden. I wonder if it had a sawn certificate. 
In Bourneville, items discovered in gardens have included a variety of dog, cat and bird skeletons, tins of chocolates and even gravestones. Apparently a number of houses were built over the site of an 18th century burial plot. In Caerwent in Wales, people have remains of Roman buildings in their gardens. Anything found that could be of importance should be taken to your local museum. Any old ammunition, of course, call the police. If you are very lucky, then you may find fossils, especially if you live in the Wenlock or Ludlow areas. My garden was part of a farmer's field, and I have found a number of bits of pottery, mainly Victorian. Bits of modern tools, no end of nails and screws, but no dinosaur foot or Anglo-Saxon treasure. Detecting is great fun, and creating a mini archaeological dig is also fun and good training for you. In the soil of your garden, there could be a story waiting from history. Imagine the item that you pick up. You will be the first person to set eyes on it in a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, or even a million years. All right, get back to work, grab me spade, and dig those sods. Oh, wait a minute, a World War II German helmet. Uh, oops, my mistake. So, Molly and Darren, more from the potting shed next time. everybody Yay. Yay. thank you andy always so brilliant ace. yeah he's just Brings as always he's ace um if you want to hear or learn should i say more about uh, andy and um his talents aren't just niche to uh, to horticultural history he does all sorts if you have a look at andrewlound.com you'll find out more right now last week on the pod we had a question didn't we dazzler about uh, planting supermarket garlic and, uh, yeah, you were detailing sort of how, whether it's viable and how to do it. And on the Happy Garden Facebook page, Rupert put a picture up saying, that's not garlic, this is garlic, uh, showing off with a massive bulb. So I gave him a bell yesterday to find out why his was so massive. Hi, Rupert. Hello, Petal, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good, are you? Can you guess where I am? Thank- can you hear the background noise? I can, I can as it goes. Are you um? Are you in the in the coop? Well, actually, yeah. Before we do talk about your massive garlic, we're going to be talking about having ex battery girls uh, forthcoming on the podcast in the next few weeks. And you had a few the other day, didn't you? We've got ten battery ends here, and that's. And I tell you what, they're very very friendly. I mean, I've always had exhibition chickens. But with bird flu, you can't show no, there's no show. They just started last week, the show. So I'll have a few battery ends. I need something in my pen just to sit here. Um, since I've had a stroke and that, I'm twiddling my thumbs at the weekends what to do. And sitting here with them now, giving them a bit of corn and looking after them and collecting a few eggs and the amount of people up the allotments that come round and want to have a stroke of them and bring the kids round, it's absolutely fantastic they sit here the kiddies come in they build their confidence they get to learn a bit about life the main bit is these battery ends have taught the three or four kids that come around here every week on a sunday and unfortunately i don't get no eggs off these battery ends because the kids have them all 
<laughs> You're doing your bit for the community. I love it. Now, Rupert, you sent us the most lovely picture on uh, the Facebook page of what was it? Godfrey Garlic. We were talking last week on the podcast. Well, it was a, it was a listener question of um, some kitchen garlic that she had had started to sprout. Can she get it in the ground? Which Darren answered. And then you sent in this picture of this massive garlic. I did, yes. It's a true garlic. Everybody keeps saying, oh, it's just elephant garlic. No, it's not. Elephant garlic is actually a bulbous leek. People think it's a garlic. It's not. Mm. It grows like leeks. It looks like leeks, but it's the bulb part that you eat, and it grows the same as garlic, but it is actually genetically a leek. This is a real true garlic, grows big. If you grow it correctly, grows bigger than elephant garlic it depending on your soil conditions and how you feed it also affects the flavor it is a very strong garlic but if you just plant it and forget it and dig it up you'll get nice garlics but they'll just be a normal sort of garlic flavor but and at our local ag show for longley show i've won a number of first prizes over the last two or three times i've showed it uh, very nice would you like a little bit of background information on it yeah godfrey garlic go ahead Right, Godfrey got it. Godfrey Poynton, I think his name was, developed it years and years ago. Um, I think it was down in Ramsgate allotments. And when he passed away, his wish was that it was shared around. It wasn't sold, it's shared around. And what you do is you plant. So let's say you plant 10 of these garlic cloves and you harvest 50 cloves off it. Because normally you get five cloves to a bulb. You pick the best ones for growing for next year's seed for yourself. And then you give you give half of the saved away and eat the other half. So if you've got 50, you plant 25, mm. you keep 12 or so for eating and give 12 to somebody else on the same conditions that they grow it. And when they've got enough for themselves, they start sharing it. Oh, nice. And I think it's a fantastic... And I've got people coming around today, the local community um, garden, so seed swapping Coventry, and that many people have applied for some. I've only got enough to share for three people. But at least they're gonna, three people are going to have some, and they've all agreed the same, that they will grow it, and after a couple of years, when they've got enough spare, they'll share it. And I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea. What's the seed swap? What's going on? Right, well, what it is, it's a local community thing on Facebook, and if you've grown something and you've got too many of them, house plants, garden plants seeds of your runner beans, broad beans, garlics, whatever. So long as you follow the basic guidelines for saving seeds, then you can advertise them on this page and somebody will swap you a jar of jam for it or half a, half a dozen eggs or they'll give you some seeds that you want. And I think it's a brilliant... It's commu- Going back to the, these battery ends, it's a community base. As we get older, I think we're starting to realise our values in life and it's not all about how much can i earn how much can i spend it's about sharing with each other because you ain't going to be here forever duck that's the main thing so leave some good behind you that is so nice rupert we are going to be doing an allotment special uh in time to come here on the happy garden podcast will you come on when we do that special and talk about allotments i would be more than delighted as for my sins i'm uh, Deputy Chairman of our allotments in Radford, 
Uh, and I would be more than happy to come and do that for you. Brilliant. Oh, that's ace. We must make you a, a part of the Happy Garden podcast, because you have so much knowledge, Rupert. would be remiss not to uh, not to use you, really. Yeah. I used to say to my dear old mum, who's been passed away about 14 years now, she used to breed rare colour rabbits, show, show rabbits, but rare colour. And I used to say to her, please write it down so people after you know how to do it and yeah i'll do it tomorrow i'll do it next week and then next week was mm. too late mm. so with this modern society we're in now and you can ring me up and record me i think in 20 30 40 years time like the photographs i've done at poultry shows they'll be there in 100 years time for information for people to look at the information will be there and that's what the world's about we've got to teach the young ones and the novices in the world how to do things traditionally a fascinating conversation with uh with uh which hasn't finished yet because he's gonna he's gonna tell us how to plant garlic a bit later on but fascinating conversation so far with rupert darren yeah and you know his last conversation was right on point wasn't it Mm. that our youngsters are the people we need to invest in yeah because and they need to know the traditional methods uh for growing so that this can continue onwards uh molly godfrey garlic Wonderful stuff. And there's so, well, there's uh-huh. so many threads in there as well. He's so right about passing down knowledge and not letting it get lost. Because, you know, a lifetime of knowledge lost, its that's really sad, isn't it? If it hasn't been jotted down or, as Rupert's just said, we'll record him with all his tips and tricks and stuff like that. Uh, and the same with you and all your knowledge, Darren. It would, you know, if you were snuffed out, it would be uh, an absolutely crying, <laughs> crying shame that, uh, well, thank goodness you're, you're laying it all down on our podcast before you go. This is what 90% of my life is about, isn't it? It's, it's teaching and passing on that knowledge. And yeah. even doing this and, and, you know, the radio work and stuff like that's what it's all about, yeah. is just keeping it in going. people's minds' yeah. eye and just keeping it going and updating knowledge as well. We're going through climate change, all those sorts of things, and there's yeah. lots and lots of things that we used to do traditionally we're recommending that we don't do any more. So new knowledge is as good as anything else yep. um, so that we can move with the times. But to train our youngsters because they are our future is most definitely something that I wholeheartedly agree with. So well done. Also, also the aspect of uh, the community swap as well that he mentioned at the end. I love that. I love that he's, uh, even though it's three people, it's, um, you know, it's the ripple effect, isn't it? Those three people hopefully will supply another three people. And even if it wasn't the Godfrey Garlic, it's other seed swaps, it's other surplus. It's um, getting the community together, which is lovely. Well, it, it, it's just brilliant, isn't mm, it? It and is. This, is. this is just dealing with the waste of gluts and things like mm. that. So that, you know, if you've got additional stuff you can pass it on and you know people will will take advantage of it and be and benefit from it yeah and that's entirely the way yeah that's entirely the way we need to to be thinking and growing and and dealing with people we are community-based species aren't we we like to get together and we like to be together and and actually growing things and eating and and being sustainable in that way is entirely the, the way we should go with this. So it's fantastic to see that that little seed is starting to germinate, isn't it? That reminds me of a quote. You're good on quotes. Uh, Linda Ellaby. In the coldest February, as in every other month, in every other year, the best thing to hold on to in this world is each other. Isn't that nice? Oh, that's lovely. 
mean, I've got, I've got the Confucius one. <laughs> Come on, then. It says, uh, a yeah. man who plants a tree knowing that he will never see it mature truly knows the meaning of life. Oh, that's amazing. That's very um, Capability Brown. Selfless. It is. But he was a cool capability because he saw the capabilities in the land that he used to use. Oh, was that his, not that his name? His nick- no, it was Lancelot Brown. But they called him Lancelot Capability Brown because he saw the capabilities oh, no. in the land that he... <laughs> and how did I not know that, really? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Yeah, okay. I thought... It's true, yeah. Because I thought that was an odd name. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a nickname. Gosh, I've learned something today. That's what he used to do. He used to go into these wealthy landowners mm. and he'd sell them these ideas because he could see the capabilities. Like, I'll plant you an acorn and in 300 years' time... Y- yeah, selfless. ..there'll be an oak tree there, you know? Yeah. If I could do that on my garden design practice, I'd be a millionaire, <laughs> wouldn't <laughs> You'd I? You'd be a millionaire, darling. <laughs> millionaire. No, but you see, these days people want it now, 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 don't they? Mm. Exactly. It's to come to fruition within three years. But, yeah, when you see the National Trust properties, Ragley Hall, um, gosh, I've been to so many lately that are capability brown that, um, yeah. as you say, only come to fruition hundreds of years later after planting. Yeah. It is beautiful. It, I mean, it's, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Mm. And he was dealing with, you know, large landscapes. It's like Trentham Gardens. Here we go to Trentham Gardens, folks, um, just outside Stoke. Mm. The pool there... The pool that you go, there's a little steamship that you can you can sit on, Molly. It's only oh, yeah. small. Come on. Little steamship yeah. and you go go for a ride around the lake. Okay, it's a massive lake. Yeah. But that took sixty years to dig out. And the hillside around the actual lake wasn't there before the lake was dug out. And that was Capability Brown. The sixty people, years. Sixty years. And it would have all been by hand. It was by hand. People spent their lives and they died digging that lake Gosh. out. For us to sit on a steam little steam uh, ship going around thinking, oh, this is a nice day out, isn't it? That's incredible. Again, selfless. You'll you'll never see the uh, the fruits of, of your labour. We must sometime in 2024 do something with National Trust and have a look at some of the, the properties and the landscaping at National Trusts in the UK. Yeah, we'll have to go and do do a pod from one of the uh, National Trusts, won't we? Well, I'll tell you where I might go this week, although it's probably too late to sort of organise any sort of interviews, but I might go and then just tell you about it next week, is Packwood House, which yeah. is somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> is it Solly Hall? I'm not sure. Yeah. But I'll t- tell you the reason why, Darren. Here we are, is a money-saving tip. Quite often, because if when I... No, hang on a sec, I'll get into trouble if I say this. Will I get into trouble? No, I won't get into trouble, will I? I'll say it and then I'll review it and see if I'll get into trouble. I don't know. I don't know what you're <laughs> going to say. <laughs> Let me say it. Right, you know when I still do cover at BBC Radio WM? Yeah. Obviously the papers come down in the morning, you know, all the yes. papers. Yes. No, I don't think I'll get into trouble because the point is they all get thrown away at the end of the day, all right? They're all chucked. So quite often, and it happened a couple of weekends ago, many of the papers run a free National Trust voucher. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Yeah. Daily Mail, yeah. Express, a lot of the red tops as well. And, um, you know, it's it's worth 50, 60 quid. It's an entry for two to any UK National Trust property. So for the price of the paper, similarly so to the Eden Project tip that I gave a little bit earlier on, for the price of the paper, you're into any National Trust in the UK worth 50, 60 quid. So obviously I took all the vouchers. 
um, a couple of weeks ago um, because they were going in the bin. And so within the month of February, I've got about five vouchers that I can go anywhere National Trust-wise. Packwood House seems to have the most phenomenal, I think it's like a medieval yew garden. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, have you been? Yeah, it's really good. Oh, look at you get in there first. Go on, tell us all about it then before I go. Well, it's, it's just, it's just uh, the medieval garden is brilliant. It's just got topiary and uh, you can wander through. I think there's a maze there. Mm. I haven't been for, for quite a while, but uh, there's a maze there, I think. And uh, the landscape itself is wonderful. Cool. Totally and utterly wonderful. So you must must go. But, yeah. you, know, you know, the other thing about national trusts, go if on. you take your, your good husband, he will be doing his national service. What? Your husband will be doing his national service if you take him to a national trust property. Because when your husband goes to the toilet, okay, mm. he doesn't urinate into, um, you know, a urinal. What he will be doing is he'll, he be, t- he'll be tiddling on a bale of straw. So the male urine, yeah. okay, is diverted and um, basically uh, they saturate bales of straw, straw with male urine. And then when once the, uh, the bales of straw are saturated, they're called pee bales, as in pee bales. P-E-E. Yeah. As in pea bales. When they're saturated, they take them to their compost heaps, they mix them in, it activates the compost heap, okay? And then basically, all that lovely compost is then distributed onto the borders so that when you walk through and you say, look at these wonderful rolling borders, (laughs) your husband's done that. (laughs) Forever be a part of Backwood House. Yeah. And, of course, all the produce gets used in the uh, tea shop. So Exactly. Yeah, full circle. And that is down to men's wee. Obviously not women's. It's, uh, no, you you're, need too, the, yeah. you're too. Women's you're, are. No, you're too coarse. Caustic. You're just you're, coarse. Yeah, you kill all the, the vital all right. bugs and beasties that we need. Well, that's really interesting, and I'll think of that when he, uh, when he goes to relieve himself. There you go. This week. Who was, um, let's address the elephant in the room. Who's after you? Is that the RHS? It was my mum. Oh, she's all right. Yeah, she's fine. Do you need to? Um, yeah. Well, we've got some adverts coming up. If you need to, yeah, I'll phone her back. Call her. All right, cool. She's all right. Well, we'll be back in a couple of ticks anyway with Darren's favourite. We've got Professor Alice Roberts. <laughs> after <laughs> Darren, after a couple of adverts, so um, I shall relieve you for a couple of minutes. What? <laughs> I just want to sort yourself out. <laughs> See you very shortly. Bye. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) Oh, I've got my. Oh, my stomach hurts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Still laughing. (laughs) Anyway, you'd love that. Okay. Are you, uh, Darren, are you relieved and up to strength and ready for the second half of the podcast? Are you all totally, good? Totally. Okay. Totally. Right. <laughs> nice. All right. Recharged and ready to go. Ready to go. Are you ready for Alice? Yes. Okay. Well, we have a fair few celebs on the way uh, on the Happy Garden podcast. Dr. Alice Roberts, Professor Alice Roberts, is one of our favourites. Uh, archaeologist. Well, she's not just an archaeologist. This is a historian. She's. Uh, she, oh, I, it's so technical. I'm not really sure what she is, but um, a doctor and all sorts. So I managed to get to speak to uh, Alice, and I asked her if we find much archaeology in the gardens across the UK. Yes, we do. Yeah, um, gardens are a rich source of archaeology uh, because people tend to dig in them and obviously archaeology is usually buried underground. Um, (laughs) And it's in fact how I first got started um, being interested in archaeology, digging uh, in the vegetable bed when I was a kid and finding little bits of pottery and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, where have those come from? Why have those ended up in my garden? Most of it was Victorian rubbish, but it's still exciting. You know, you found something that nobody's seen for 100 years. That's wonderful. All this came from the veg patch. That's really exciting. What a revelation. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then and then uh, when I started working with Time Team, which was my kind of first foray into television as well, um, I remember doing um, a particular Time Team episode where we were digging in people's gardens and finding Anglo-Saxon burials, oh, which wow. was extraordinary. Well, I was thinking the other night, back to Richard III, he could quite easily, the, the friary being destroyed, what, 500 years ago, where he was buried, he could quite easily have ended up in somebody's front or back garden. Somebody could have found him digging a pond. Oh, they really could have done. And also the slim chances of the University of Leicester ever finding him is quite astonishing because, as oh, you say, the, you know, that, that church was, was destroyed. Um, the, it's amazing that his burial survived and that it hadn't ended up underneath a, a modern building yeah. and that it was under the car park. Um, I think when they started digging, um, colleagues from yeah, University of Leicester Archaeological Services didn't think they were going to find him. It was a, it was a very tiny chance that they would. Um, and just astonishing um, that they did. And actually, I was with Matthew Morris, who was the guy who found him just last week. I was given an oh. honorary degree from the University oh, of Leicester. Oh, congratulations, Alice. Thank you very much. Yay. And I was hanging out with all my archaeology friends, um, John Thomas, uh, Matthew Morris, and I was given my degree by the very lovely Dame Professor Maggie Aderin pocock wow. who is the Chancellor oh, at Leicester. What a day. That was really lovely. We had a big hug. I bet you did. The archaeology pals are like that. Even when they were putting the tarmac down, obviously they've got to do the scraping and whatnot. Isn't it weird to think he was lying there and the the diggers and the rollers, they couldn't have been more than a couple of foot above him. It's just crazy. But I was thinking if if it hadn't been the car park, it could have been somebody's garden. Um, Does it ever worry you that people might, Richard III aside, but somebody might dig up something really, really of of archaeological significance and importance and not really not realise what they're looking at? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, people find stuff all the time. Um, and it's, it's you know, a great source of archaeological knowledge um, from, you know, I suppose what you would what you would call amateurs. But some people are so, um, you know, interested in archaeology that they have they have a lot of expertise. So, um, you know, from people digging in their own gardens to um, people going out and metal detecting, yes. they do discover a lot of sites. And it, what's important is that if you find something, report it. Uh, you know, take it to your local museum, get in touch with um, the Portable Antiquities Scheme who have finds liaison officers right across the country and they can help you interpret it um, and, you know, work out what it actually is. If you find human bones or you think you found human bones in your garden, I'm sure everybody knows what to do. You must call the police yeah. in the first instance. Yeah, Report that ASAP. Um, yeah. We know on the Happy Garden podcast that an awful lot of people, well, the whole world knows that a lot of people got uh, into gardening during lockdown. A lot of people got into And a lot of people redesigned the gardens and dig, did, uh, did dig ponds and, you know, patios and this, that and the other. An awful lot of archaeology did come up four years ago. Yeah, and the other thing that happened was that people um, started kind of exploring their local area and yeah. um, becoming more interested in the landscape on their doorstep and looking at Google Maps. And there was one farmer in particular in Rutland mm. who was on his family farm during lockdown, took his kids out um, onto the fields because he'd, well, first of all, he'd noticed that there were little bits of pottery turning up in a stream on the farm. Yeah, That got him interested in history, you know, where'd that pottery come from? Who'd been there before? He looked at Google Maps and spotted some interesting crop marks, so just different coloration of the grass in one of the fields or the crops in one of the fields. So he decided to dig it. He said, come on, kids, we're not going to the beach this summer. Let's go and dig in that field. And that was uh, the beginning of an incredible discovery. He discovered a villa with an amazing mosaic in it. Oh, wow. So that was that was incredible lockdown story. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. I mm. love it, love it. Can you tell us plans for, for this <gasps> year? I can. There will be another series of Digging for Britain. Yay. So um, I'm very Love glad it. to announce that. So, yeah, we just had series 11, which is all on iPlayer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's, it's such an exciting time of the year because we're just starting to hear from archaeologists across the country who are um, digging, who have got plans for the, for the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to find, but I know it will be amazing. So it's always exciting to, you know, start thinking about another series of Digging for Britain. I'm also doing another series of Royal Autopsy for, for Sky History. So more kings and queens, including Queen Anne, Queen Mary, uh, Henry II and uh, George IV as well. Exciting year ahead. With the digging for Britain, isn't it weird, Dr Alice, that the stuff that you will have seen by this time next year hasn't been... A, it's still down there, hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah, yeah, there you could, be, seen there it could be an astonishing, mind-blowing yeah. uh, discovery that means Still we have to rewrite there. all the history books and we haven't found it yet. That's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Crazy. I love your job. Well, thank you for having a quick word with us on the Happy Garden podcast, uh, Alice. Uh, you are so cool that you've actually given us a bit of street cred this week, so thank you. Oh, it's very <laughs> lovely to be on the Happy Garden podcast. My my garden's one of my happy places. Oh, I love, are you a gardener? Do you vegetables. Do, oh, you do yes, do bits yeah. and bobs. Yeah, I do bits and bobs. It's a very, it's a very wildlife friendly garden, which is um, yeah, a, a nice way of saying it's messy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking out the window at my garden at the moment. I've put out some, I put out some seeds for the birds. There's a naughty squirrel trying to get into one of the seed, uh, one of the one of the bird feeders. Yeah. But no, I love the garden. I, it's it's lovely. Uh, what well, I've got snowdrops coming up at the moment. 
I'm going to need to do a bit of a spring clean at some point, tidy it up a bit. Well, if we can ever help you, you know, the Happy Garden Podcast is here weekly. So, Dr. Alice, anything that uh, you need Darren Rudge to answer for you, we're always here for you. Yeah, I have got a, I've got a crab apple that's oh, um, looking a bit unhappy, actually. Yeah, it's uh, I don't I don't know, it doesn't seem to grow much. I don't know if it's just in the wrong place, uh, or it's too close. I've got a Himalayan musk right next door to it, so I what's don't know wrong with that. it? It just doesn't produce. It just doesn't look happy. It does produce a lot of fruit every year. Oh. Too much fruit, really. Um, and I think it thinks it's dying. Uh, so, but I'm not sure what to do about it. Well, I don't know whether I should. Can you move? The crab apple. I will ask Darren and I will email your agent the answer. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll get that sorted. AR Darren. <sighs> <laughs> Wasn't she just the most lovely, lovely lady? Just breathing deeply. <laughs> <laughs> Darren has a secret crush on Dr. Alice. Um, <laughs> her crab apple. Yeah, yeah, you need to answer that and then I can uh, transcribe and send it on. Undoubtedly, it needs to be moved. She's quite right. Because if it's looking sickly and healthy, and a Himalayan musk, big, big shrub. What's Himalayan uh, musk? I, I didn't want to ask. It's, about. A, it's a very large shrub. Basically, um, it will be competing for uh, water, light, and nutrients, and that's why a crab apple is not looking to it. It, it needs space. I mean, the crab apple needs space, and the fact that it's producing fruit is good. So it's not on its way out, but undoubtedly, yes, she can move it. Just make sure that it gets a really good root ball around the base of the actual tree itself. And then, essentially, um, you can move it at this time of year. So it's a really good time, any time up until the beginning of March, mid-March, around about the latest time you can do it, and move it into a lighter, more spacious part of the garden. And it'll pick up, undoubtedly. I wonder so. if it's fruiting so well for her because it's panicking, because it really is in trouble. It can be. I mean, that can be one of the indications, but it can just be a sign of good pollination, um, a, a good garden with good pollinators in there as well, so that lots of the flowers are being pollinated, which basically gives uh, a good fruit in season. But okay. I, I'd move it, move it into a, a more spacious part <laughs> of the garden. Darren, do you realise, because I probably will lift this and send the audio to Alice's agent, you're putting your telephone voice on. Am I? <laughs> a bit. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alice, you are lovely. I put to sound professional for Alice. <laughs> of course you do. Don't I? I put my telephone yeah. voice on when I talk to the Sky Remote. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> but Alice, if you're listening, get it moved. Okay. Pop it into a different area of the garden. Undoubtedly, it's it's there's too much competition around it, and and plants are just like us. You know, if we get a little bit of competition, we tend to move, don't we? Yeah, of course. Um, or we, we make an <laughs> don't area. Don't like our neighbours. Yeah, we don't like our neighbours. You know, yeah. we make make it more spacious for ourselves, and that's what your crab apple needs. And it's a good time of year to do it. So uh, get it done. Mid-March uh, is around about the time, the cut-off time for moving um, deciduous plants. So it's a good time to do it now. All right, brilliant. Okay. All right, and thank you to uh, to, to uh, Doctor Slash Professor Slash all, all sorts of other things as well, Alice Roberts for being on the Happy Garden Podcast. Wonderful, wonderful woman. Right, Darren, still to come. Your money saving tips. We've got your jokes. We've got uh, Rupert on how to plant garlic. We've got jobs for the week ahead. Got all sorts yeah. coming up. Yeah. Oh, can I quickly ask you before we do uh, a question? Uh, from a listener about the hydrangea cuttings. Now, you, yes. you talked us through this a few months ago about taking uh, cuttings during the autumn. I've got loads and loads in the greenhouse. 
Do we plant them now or keep them in a pot for another year? I mean, they're only like twigs. What happens with the cuttings? Well, you can pot them up. You can put them into larger pots if you want to because the problem with putting them out now is, like you say, they're going to be swamped by other things. So you want to grow them on okay. if you can do. Introduce them to a larger pot, but not too large, because all that compost around their root system, Molly, is just going to soak up water. Okay. And what you don't want them to do is to sit in water. Okay? So pot them up, and then probably um, next year again, you might pot them into a larger pot until they're a, a decent established. sized established shrub yeah, yeah. that you can actually plant out. Something that you would buy, I always say the, the marker of this is something that you would buy from your garden centre. What size of plant would you buy and say, mm, I can just put that straight into the mm. into the garden. So there you go. That's okay. the that's the size. You want them to be in a two litre or three litre pot, sorry, at the very, very minimum before okay. you actually plant them out. My four inch twig isn't going to do it just yet. No. OK. No. Uh, also, before we carry on, um, Caleb, do you ever watch Clarkson's Farm? Are you a fan I of do, Jeremy yeah. Clarkson? You know, yeah. Caleb, who basically yeah. runs the farm. Yeah. He'll be on the Happy Garden podcast next week talking about wow. the archaeology that he's dug up on Clarkson's Farm as well. Excellent. I know, he's ace. So we'll hear from Is him Clarkson? next week. <laughs> it's what Clarkson? <laughs> what he's dug up. <laughs> The archaeology. The old dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) You either love him or you hate him, don't you, Clarkson? I don't know. But I thought he was really good on top. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, he is good. But Caleb is just brilliant. So we'll hear from hear from him next week. Now, finally, a question. I've just looked at the time. This is going to be a bumper edition. Of the Happy Garden podcast. Is your eye all right, by the way? Yeah, it's all right. Are you sitting there with your eyes closed? Yes. Oh, are you? It's all dark. Oh. Well, I was sitting here with my eyes closed listening to Professor I bet. <laughs> but you were. Mm. Right, let's get on to um, a, <laughs> a question then. If you have any questions for Darren, it's thehappygardenpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, all one word, thehappygardenpodcast at gmail.com. So here is one from Reese in Taunton that says, uh, I've got a question for Darren, please. My neighbour's Ivy is driving me mad. I have their plants spilling over my fence. This is the left fence, which does belong to me. I have no problem with them growing plants up the fence, but their ivy is now weighty and encroaching on my side. I've spoken to them to ask them to trim it back, and I was told what they do on their side shouldn't be my concern. I am concerned and I think my next conversation should include the law regarding a shared space. Any advice, Darren, would be very helpful. Gosh, where do we start with this? That's from Reese, Darren. Well, neighbour disputes and things like that are always difficult, aren't they? First of all, you do really need to check that it is your fence. It's, it's, there is no clear-cut uh, um, reason to say just because it's the left-hand side, it is your fence. You need to check the deeds of the property because it could be the right-hand side. It oh, is it sometimes be, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it can be. It, it's just not, you know, you can't take that as a, as a simple, this is my fence. Right. You need to check deeds of the property. You can own the whole fence, Molly. So the whole of your fencing can be your fence. Mm, that okay. would be expensive. So, <laughs> so that's the first first thing to do mm. is to check deed to the property and actually what you actually own. The second thing is that anything that um, grows over your side of the fence, you can chop off and you can hand back. So legally, it's their property because it's there on their side of the fence. You can actually prune off, prune it back, 
and then basically hand back hand it back to them because it's their property, as I've said. Now, the difficult bit uh, comes with getting them to maintain their side. And uh, there's no way in the world that you're going to actually get them to do that. You might have to resort to some legal advice here and go to uh, your local um, advisors, those sorts of people, just to take some advice as to how to approach this. Because these sorts of things can blow up into almost wars, can't they? If that fence is yours and it is damaged by your neighbour, then you are quite within your rights to ask them to pay part towards a new fence if it actually brings the fence down. Of course, they will have their side of things and uh, you've got that conversation to have, haven't you? But it's really, really difficult. Now, I'm sorry that you're you're having these problems and that your neighbour can't be more sort of sensitive um, to the issue and it would only take pruning back and perhaps that's something you could offer can I come round and I, can I prune the ivy for you you know and just keep it under under check perhaps, perhaps that's one way to go with it yeah. but if they don't want you on your property on their property then there's no way that you can actually um, uh, do anything about it so I'm sorry that's probably not the answer that you want, but perhaps citizens' advice, something like that, might be able, be able to ho- offer more detailed advice as to how legally you stand with regards to yeah. uh, your neighbour having a plant that's potentially going to destroy the fence. Darren, I think you haven't hit the nail on the head there, and I've had to do it with our, one of our neighbours who I can't bear but I won't go into it on the podcast, yeah. is to swallow it because I know that things get out of hand very quickly and it's not worth it. And you've mentioned, you know, tit for tat. It's it's not, it's really not worth it. So if you have to swallow, you know, your anger and, and, and go their side and help out or, you know, just bite your lip, it is worth it in the long run. You are right, Darren. Yeah, and it's... I think what you've got to look at here is, yeah, there is this issue, but there is your welfare as well. Yeah. And your state of mind, and are you really prepared to get it? into yeah, yeah um, what potentially could happen? I just think you need to weigh up your options yeah. with these things. I've got the same problems at home as well, you know, with neighbours that just don't seem to care or mm. just want to lop off branches, chop everything and down, and, yeah, and yeah. things like that. Don't really care about plants or or wildlife, things like that. And sometimes you just have to take a step back. And I often think this about emails. Perhaps you, you know, you you get an email sent. And uh, you just really want to respond to it straight. Never away. reply in anger. But you know, take sit a couple on it. Of days, couple of days, and then you know you've considered it. Yeah. You? Well, keep us up to date. Uh, yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah, keep us up to date as to as to what happens because, yeah, your experience might help other people in the in the future. So it'd be an interesting one. Now, um, Dazzler, before we do your money-saving tips, a very very quick one. Have you had a look at the Happy Garden Podcast uh, Facebook page? Today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said that really defensively. Yeah. Have you got rights yet? No. Come on now. I will. Good. I promise. Been saying that for five months. <laughs> but the thing is, uh, some lovely people have been posting some pictures of. You know, you did a, a feature a couple of months ago about reproducing things from supermarket scraps, basically stuff that, you know, fruit and veg that yeah. you buy, which I just find absolutely fascinating. So, um, well, Sai has sent us some onion seeds and pictures and stuff. Uh, constipated cat Sai, who actually also posted on my Facebook page, Molly Green, Molly with an IE. He had um, some tattoos done yesterday. He's had some mushrooms behind his ears. 
But also, uh, Brian as well uh, has sown, well, not sown, grown, should I say, the top of a pineapple. And so pictures are on the Facebook page uh, there as well. Hello, I'm Caleb and you are listening to the Happy Garden Podcast. Thank you. Right, earlier on in the Happy Garden podcast, Rupert was telling us about his Godfrey garlic. And he also wants to share his knowledge as regards of planting the garlic. How to grow giant garlic. Right, any giant garlic, this is specifically for Godfrey's garlic. But if you've got Isle of Wight or Solent or elephant garlic, that's what it is. And yes, I do grow some elephant garlic as well, because um, I, I like it, the mild flavour. Right, your best really... To plant your giant garlic, it needs a long time to grow. You're best to plant it. As soon as you get your bonfire out of the way, use your ashes off your bonfire to top dress your soil. You've already got your soil dug and prepared and everything. So you take your garlic clove, dig a hole six inches deep. Basically, dig a hole a trowel's depth deep. Take a pinch of potting grit, and I mean only a pinch, not handful. Drop it in the bottom of the hole. Take half a dozen chicken pellets and drop in the hole and put your garlic in with the pointy end facing upwards. Cover the soil back over and firm it in well. Then plant another one 12 inches apart. When you put your row in, then plant the next row 18 inches apart until you've done all your plot. Then the secret is then is to do what they call a shuffle walk over the soil surface. This causes six inches soil impaction in the top but nothing to worry about put your full weight on 10 stone 11 stone whatever you are 20 stone if you're a big person walk up and down shuffling up and down the rows eight to level the ground off but more importantly to expel any pockets of air so your garlic doesn't rot rake the top of the ground over so it just looks nice if you've then got some ash from your bonfire if you know anybody that's got a bonfire, sprinkle some ash over it. That's the old-fashioned way. If you haven't, put a good sprinkling of chicken manure pellets over the top. No need to work them in because the rain and the weather will do that. Leave them alone. Then, in late March, you very carefully, without treading on your garlics and without getting any more chicken manure pellets on the garlic sprouts, very carefully do a light top dressing between the rows, in between the plants, between the rows. Walk away, keep it weed free, but be careful not to hoe your tops off. Um, they are susceptible to various flies that might get in, but if your ground's hard, that's why you walk on it as well. It stops the insects getting in and damaging your garlic. Then harvest your garlic round about, you'll know when the garlic's ready for harvesting, it will go, the tops will go yellow and start to wilt a bit. Normally, the end of June, no later than the middle of July. Harvest your garlic like you would any other garlic, dry it, and away you go. Don't forget to share it with a friend. He's good, isn't he? Well done. He's yeah. good. Darren, I didn't realise about treading in or treading on uh, your seeds and your crops to stop air bubbles and then stop insects from laying eggs. Top tip. Yeah, totally top tip. Well, don't dig. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Simple as. Yeah, Just yeah. don't dig. Yeah. <laughs> no dig. Things can't get in or make as little disturbance as possible. And then things can't get in. Things can't get to grips. Yeah, of course. Which you've advocated loads um, in, yeah, but... in podcasts gone by. 
Well, excellent. If you what want an to, excellent guy. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? We, we might use him in uh, in in yeah. 2024 because yeah, as you as you heard um, a little bit earlier on in the pod, you know, he's high up in the allotment society. So and he's got a, a lifetime of knowledge. So uh, Rupert will be joining us. And if, if you've got you know tips, if you want to share knowledge, if you know a lifetime of experience in the plot of of digging, of gardening, of sowing seeds, you are more than welcome to share here on the Happy Garden Podcast. If you just get in touch, uh, well, let me give you all the ways to get in touch. If you'd like to get in touch with Molly Green and Darren Rudge at the Happy Garden Podcast, then all you have to do is follow them on social media. Just search for the Happy Garden Podcast. If you'd like to send them an email at the Happy Garden Podcast, you can email the Happy Garden Podcast at gmail.com. Can we say Happy Garden Podcast just one more time? The Happy Garden Podcast. We would love to hear from you. So, yeah, we can get you on the pod. Darren, we're nearly done. Wow. I know. How are you feeling? A little eye check? I'm all right. It's okay. You're doing all right. Like I said, it's a bit painful, but, you know, it's all right. You won't be able to watch telly. Well, I haven't been able to watch telly for about a week. Oh, bless you. So Actually, that's a lie, because I can watch telly with sunglasses on. (laughs) Bless you. (laughs) Oh, I guess I've got to send you pictures of this blind stuff that I've got. Yes, please. Because I've got some of these some of these glasses. They look like security glasses. They've got sides and all sorts. You know, they sort of filter out all the lights. Got them in all different colours. So I'll uh, I'll send you a, a pic a little bit. There's later. a joke, isn't there, about the blind man? There's a nun. I don't know that we can say it. In the bath. What? <laughs> There's a nun in the bath. A nun. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. A nun and a blind man in a joke. Yeah, Darren. Well, the, the, the nun's in the bath. Hmm. And then there's a knock on the door, and she mm. says, "Who is it?" Mm. And, she, and he says, "It's the blind man." And she says, "Oh, come in." He said, "I've just come to check the blinds." <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> there's a nun in the bath. There's a nun in the bath, Mm-mm. and there's a knock at the door, knock the bathroom the door. Bathroom door. And the nun shouts, "Who is it?" Who is it? And he says, "It's the, it's only the blind man." Yeah. And she says, "Oh, come in then. That's fine." And he walks through the door, and he says, "I've just come to oh, check I the blinds." Oh, I see. So he wasn't blind. Now in the Happy Garden. It's about time it was for some Alan Titters. Brace yourself for your gardening jokes of the week from Darren Rudge. <laughs> Second time round. <laughs> Got it. Why was she a nun? What? <laughs> well, let, anyway, let's carry on. Uh, on your head be that one. Right, let's do um, <laughs> jokes, Darren. Go. Why did the carrot? Why did the carrot visit the psychic? don't know <laughs> to get his carrot cards read oh, <laughs> oh Dara, i like that very much his carrot cards number two mm. why was the salad so very tired oh it's nothing to do with ketchup is it no nope. i don't know <laughs> he'd been turning and tossing all night oh you're good <laughs> tossing, yeah. which type of vegetable always gets jealous oh hang on Hang on. Don't know. A green bean. Oh, good. Good, Darren. Why is a broccoli a royal vegetable? Queen, king, prince. Don't know. Because it's got lots of crowns. Oh, good, Darren. Yeah. What's the difference between broccoli and cauliflower? One's green, one's white. Sort of. Cauliflower is just broccoli that's seen a ghost. <laughs> I like 
I like that, Darren. Do you know what you can have? Wait, wait, you can have two of them. Hang on. Yeah, good. Fantastic. So, Molly, mm. if you've got four cauliflowers in one hand and six cabbages in the other hand, what do you have? Wind. <laughs> That's better than the punchline. Okay. Bloody big hands. That's what you've got. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's, six jokes that's in the week. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> oh, Darren. I, do, I really do enjoy your jokes. Right, wait, right, that really is nearly it. We've just got jobs for the week ahead. A strangular... Yeah, strangular money, money saving tip, yeah? Oh, haven't we? No. <laughs> haven't we? You told me to tell you. Yeah, I'm done with money saving tip. I did tell you to tell me if I've forgotten anything. Jokes. Well, where's that then? I don't know. Hang on. You wrote the script. I do have the script. She won. <laughs> Sheet. You did a money-saving tip. Sheet two, yeah, that's Molly's money-saving tip on it. Sheet three, Alice Roberts. Oh, there it is. Oh, yes, it should have gone before Rupert's How to Plant Garlic. Oh. oh. Honestly. <laughs> do you want to do that now? Yeah. Right, hang on, where's my... Now. Let me get my glasses and find the button. <laughs> Here we are. Here we go. Bear with. Now, live on the Happy Garden Podcast. Here we go. It's time for Darren's money-saving tips. Here we go then. <laughs> Create an insecticide using essential oils to treat a whole range of pest folks. Nature gives us things that if we only take note of them, we can use them in our garden. So to create a broad spectrum of all natural insect repellent, mix equal parts of rosemary, peppermint, thyme and clove oils, about 10 drops of each, in a spray bottle filled with water. Remember to shake well before each use, apply anywhere you want and it will get rid of skittering, creeping, crawling or flying pests. For particularly bad infestations, try using some neem oil. This natural insecticide dissolves the waxy coating of many hard-to-kill garden parasites, dehydrating and eventually killing them. Neem oil not only works on adult insects, it also kills larvae and eggs, making neem oil a super effective all-natural method for reducing uh, those populations of insect pests. There you go. There's my money-saving tip this week. Good. Um... I'll tell you who I spoke to this week, Joan from West Midlands Hedgehog Rescue, it being yeah. National Hedgehog Day last week. Um, and she was saying about all the, the chemicals and, in, you know, insecticides yeah. used for aphids, this, that and the other, which all do filter down into the, everything that uh, hedgehogs eat. Uh, and that's of detriment to them in the garden. So anything like that, Darren, which, of course, you advocate, is brilliant. Any sort of organic control that won't kill other things in the chain, brilliant. Excellent. It's all right, the cat's attacking my box. Sorry? The cat is attacking my microphone box. Oh, your microphone box? Yes. No, don't do that. I was going to say, what you got a box on for, Darren? <laughs> <laughs> Can't play cricket with one eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, have you got a cat on you? No, he's sort of at the back of me, sitting on the box, because I've got the, you know, the foamy stuff that sort of protects you. On your box? On my box. Mm. He's sitting on top of the box. Aww. And basically... Cats love boxes. He's, uh, he's starting to attack the cardboard bit of the box. What does your uh, cat look like? He's tabby. Aww. So he's, uh, going. Can hear. Really need to oil your door. Oh, no, you like it creaky in case anyone yeah. is coming to kill you in the middle of the night. A break in, in Yeah, the you'll night. have a heads up. I don't know why anyone will run and kill you. Sorry, Darren, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> a bit disastrous, wasn't it? <laughs> Negative. <laughs> right, sorry, Darren, I don't know where I was going there. <laughs> Cup was half empty there for a second. Um, we're going to finish with uh, jobs for the week ahead in two ticks. So what are you doing for the rest of the afternoon? Do you, you feel okay? You've managed the pod almost. You're I'm going to rest me off. Rest. <laughs> rest. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rest me off. Put a hot flannel on it. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Pretend it's Professor Alice Roberts. Oh, Darren. Put hot flannels on my eyes. <laughs> I bet you are as well. <laughs> Is your wife in? <laughs> God, I hope Alice isn't going to listen to this. <laughs> She'll never appear on the podcast again. Darren's money-saving tips. <laughs> Leave that there. <laughs> Leave that there. Right, jobs for the week ahead, and then we're done. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. This really is a bumper pod, by my Ooh. reckoning. We're about an hour and 20. It's pretty good, isn't it? It is. We should charge. We should charge for this pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've bought a new computer, by the way. Yeah. Mm. Comes mm. in three weeks. Oh, God. I know. Where's it coming from? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. But the delay is not as bad as it was last week. Shouldn't no. I wasted my money? No delay at all. It's fine. Darn it. <laughs> right, let's finish with some jobs for the week ahead, Aaron. Now in the happy garden. Oh, I say, sweetie, this is my favourite bit. Time for Darren to be absolutely flabulous and regale us with his gardening jobs for the week ahead. Well, yes. Three, two, one, go. Uh, I ought to say we do have some freezing nights ahead. Oh, yes, snow on the way. What? Oh, I haven't seen that. Really? Yeah. So while you're in the garden in the snow, you what? can be lifting and dividing your herbaceous perennials, folks. Um, if you're a summer bedding person, then you can be sowing seeds of your summer bedding plants right now. As long as you've got a heated propagator, you can get seeds of geraniums, lobelia, busy lizzie, bedding begun and all sorts of things uh, going uh, in a heated propagator right now. In the next few weeks, then, the tubers of dahlias, begonias and gladioli can be started in the greenhouse as well or on a windowsill, a nice sunny windowsill. Make sure that the compost is moist and they're in a seed tray or in a small pot. Lawn areas should be mown. OK, remember, give them a tidy now and they'll look all the better in March. Make sure that lawnmower has also been uh, serviced, folks, before you start to mow. Yeah, will do. Well, I don't know about you, but I've had a thoroughly <laughs> lovely time listening to that, sweetie darling. 
I know that I will be having a crack at some of those jobs this week. <laughs> Take care, everyone, and I'll see you next week for more absolutely rudgelicious gardening jobs for the week ahead. You're listening to the Happy Garden <laughs> Podcast with Molly Green and Darren Rudge. Is that it? Can I go home now? I have literally no idea where my lawnmower is. <laughs> I don't. I gathered. I don't, literally don't. Somewhere at the back of the uh, of the garage. Um, Darren, the pod has been... Thank you so much for doing the pod in a medical emergency. It's uh, It shows your dedication. Oh, no problem. To the Happy Garden podcast. Yes. 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 I had yes. to... I don't know whether you heard last <laughs> week's podcast. I had to do the strangulated goodbye myself. It didn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't, it was all right. It was all right. It wasn't you, wasn't, though. No. It wasn't you. Not really. So if you want to do the goodbye, uh, we'll see you next okay. week. I shall, I shall leave it to you. Bye! You've been listening to the Happy Garden Podcast with Molly Green and Darren Rudge. If you'd like to send them an email, get in touch with the Happy Garden Podcast by emailing thehappygardenpodcast at gmail.com. Follow them on social media. Just search for the Happy Garden Podcast. Can we say Happy Garden Podcast just one more time? The Happy Garden Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.